Well, good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you. A bit later in the program, we'll have a look at a couple of those Harvard business tips that uh, could help improve our business performance, which is always a very useful thing. We're also going to have a chat with uh, Christina Sikiotis with our Mini Dawn Innovation. We're looking at the benefits of uh, being involved with the business or BRW list. But right now, we're going to have a chat about what can go wrong when buying a public liability insurance with Steve Markey from Markey Insurance. Good afternoon, Steve. Afternoon, Julian. Thank you for joining us again. And uh, I would imagine that every business would need public liability insurance, but the average consumer and business operator would not really know what they are buying and what they need to watch out for when obtaining this insurance. Can you tell us what this insurance is all about and why people need it? Yeah, sure, Julian. Um, This is a really complicated insurance type, and I'll try to keep my explanation to plain English. Um, So the liability insurance basically protects you against claims which might be brought against you or your business by someone else as a result of your negligence. Um, And this, usually for the um, policy to respond to uh, these claims, the claim needs to relate to a loss the other person has sustained and involves either personal injury or property damage. That's a a lot of words, but basically Mm. that's what it is. Um, Liability insurance, you know, it will... Should, should be proven, should you be proven negligent, it'll pay for the cost to repair the damage or compensate a person for their injury, and along with much of the legal expenses involved in defending your case. And as we all know, legal expenses quite often expensive. a large part. I know that sounds like plain English, but maybe you can give us a couple of examples. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll probably talk about two examples, and, and one which relates to public liability and the other which relates to products liability, which is Mm. also um, like it's the secondary part of the the liability policy. Mm -hmm. They're very important. So on the public liability side, for example, if if you operated an excavator as a business and you happened to accidentally knock the fence over on the property you were working, then you will be held responsible to replace or repair the fence um, due to your negligence. Mm. So your public liability policy will pay these costs and the insurer will assist you through the claim process. So that's a really basic public liability example. On the products liability, which can be a little more complicated, um, if you're a manufacturer of widgets and one of your widgets happened to injure a person or damage property as a result of it, um, say, being faulty, the products liability section of the policy will respond to defend you against any claim brought against you as a result of that. And... Um, and compensate the third party for the damage. Um, an important part is, though, that the products liability section, it won't pay to fix your widget. Okay. It, the products liability, is that normally part of the uh, public liability policy, or is it sometimes...? Yeah, it's normally they go hand in hand, and if yep. you buy um, a liability product, it has both in it, along with other things as well, but they're the two key components. So, so what are some of the key points that you need to consider when setting up your liability insurance? Uh, there's a lot of key points, and that's usually because there's lots of exclusions in a liability policy, mm. as you can imagine, um, and some of which may need to be altered specific to your situation or your business type. So it's really important that you get some, some good advice around buying a liability policy, so speak to a broker or someone who knows what they're talking about. Um, but two of the most concerning things 
you need to get right are firstly your business description. So that's exactly what you do in your business, um, at what activities, what procedures you do and what materials you might use. And the other one, which people tend to forget about, is making sure you've got the correct insured names on the policy, like whether it be a company, a trust, an individual or a contractor's name, a superannuation fund even. So, so, so if they were, a, for example, a sole trader, that would be in their own personal name, wouldn't it? Be in their own personal name, yeah. yeah. Yep. But, but sometimes people want to cover contractors under their liability okay. policy, so yep. it goes a long way. And, of course, the, the business description is there for the uh, insurance company to determine the risk involved, isn't it? That's right. There's no point in saying that your uh, um, arts and crafts store is when you actually... Um, have an excavator. <laughs> have an excavator, that's right. <laughs> so why are these points so significant then? Well, it's important to get the business description right. Um, as not disclosing all of the activities, the insurer basically gives them an opportunity um, not to provide cover hmm. for that particular activity. Um, and that's fair enough because at that point, they're not, they weren't aware that that's what you were doing. So they didn't get a chance to consider the risk and pricing. So you must tell them what you do. Um, and the best way to explain, explain that is it's a frightening example, which we're aware of. And, oh, like, say, for example, we have a mechanical repair shop who services vehicles, installs mufflers and tow bars, etc. Um, all of these activities are advised to the insurer at the time of buying the liability policy. So that's good. And then a number of years later, and this actually happened, a car exploded at a petrol station due to a faulty LPG gas conversion, seeing their cars mm -hmm. run on LPG. Mm -hmm. uh, as it happens, this conversion was conducted by the business we're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, a claim was lodged with their insurer, but it's declined as the business activity had never been disclosed to the insurer. Mm -hmm. So um, playing with things like gas and, and conversions, or you, you may not think that it's important, but it is. Like That is a high-risk activity so it needs to be spoken about yeah. so big thing remember if you change your activities or add activities you must advise your insurer preferably before you do it yeah okay so um yeah that that's been a scary example um the same can apply to insured names you disclose to insurers that business structures change all the time we see that um as an example an issue could arise where you as a business owner sell the building you operate from to your superannuation fund, so the super fund owns the building. Um, you forget to advise the insurer of the building and the public liability section of it that superannuation fund now owns the building. Um, if a third party comes in and injures themselves while scaling the stairs or whatever it is at the building and gets injured, a claim goes in against the owner of the building but their name's not mentioned on the policy mm. so you think that the insurer um if there's a five million dollar claim they're just going to go oh that's okay don't worry about that we'll um cover it anyway and they're going to argue about it so yeah. you really need to make sure that you've got the right names on it and a lot of people um we find which is frustrating they abbreviate names so mm. don't abbreviate the company names or your superannuation fund names or trust names put the full name in just a little point, there's a lot of businesses out there that, that run home-based businesses and yep. obviously have uh, public liability on their home contents insurance. It's important to emphasise that that doesn't cover them for business, does it? No, the majority of cases it won't. So yeah. you need to, um, there are the rare 
householders' policy that can be amended to deal with that commercial risk. Mm -hmm. um, but if they can't, then you need to get a separate liability policy as a business operator at your domestic residence. So, so are there any other pitfalls to look for? Well, there's lots of pitfalls <laughs> to look for when it comes to liability insurance. And, and I know we haven't got much time, but the big subject relates to um, the signing of contracts and even leases. So agreeing to certain terms in these contracts, which couldn't, can be with the big guys, um, can totally render your liability policy useless if you're not careful. So you really need to watch what the clauses and indemnity clauses in the contract say and make sure your liability policy can deal with it. So you need to talk to your broker, talk to your lawyer, and make sure you're not doing yourself an injustice by just signing. Mm. So that's a really big one uh, that we work on all the time. Well, great. Well, thanks for your time, Steve. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll have another chat. What, what were we talking about then? Uh, I thought we might move away from the more traditional insurance types um, and talk about uh, a very rapidly evolving risk everybody faces, and that's cyber risk. And I wanted to talk about how you can protect yourself from the costs following a cyber attack. Mm. So it can be anything from ransoms to loss of business to um, tech IT costs. So... Very, very um, important subject. And, and as you say, very, very topical. Thank you very much for your time, Steve. We'll have a chat with you in a couple of weeks. Thanks very much, Julian. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Steve Markey there from Markey Insurance. A few tips there on uh, your public liability insurance uh, and how important that is. You're listening to Business, The Law and You on 2NURFM 103.7. Time to pop over for our Minute on Innovation with Christina Sikiatis. Good afternoon, Christina. Hi, Julian. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? I'm pretty good, thank you, on this uh, lovely, sunny, muggy day. Well, it's cloudy and possible was a 70% chance of showers, I'm afraid. It, it certainly <laughs> feels like it, and the sun's still shining here, so that's well, good that's, for my washing. That's good. Um, we've <laughs> talked about the Business Review Weekly list many times. Uh, what do you think of the benefits of entering that? Well, it's funny you should ask that, Julian, because I actually asked the same question of um, Roger Langford. And Roger is from the company called Planet Innovation. And as you remember last year, Planet Innovation took out number one spot. This year they've, they've taken number three. So to be in the top ten for two years in a row is, is pretty remarkable. Um, but he, I asked him the same question. I said, what do you actually get out of it? Because this is one of the lists that it costs you a little bit of money to get on. So... Roger said to me that they have actually received international recognition for being in the top 10 of the BIW um, most innovative companies list. They've had conversations with overseas companies, they've been invited overseas, companies overseas are interested in what they're doing and they want to do business and investment with them. So that is a really good, um, I find, a really good um, outcome from mm. being involved in that list. So can I just say while we're on the radio, Julian, that I would really encourage any hunter organisation, because, again, as we both know, a lot of them are doing magnificent things out there um, and nobody knows about it because we tend to not brag um, about what we're doing. Mm. But there's some companies doing some great things in this, in this innovation space and it would be great to get that recognition. Yes, yeah. there's an investment to, to go into the, um, to enter the list, um, but it's, it's, from all accounts, it's very worthwhile. Now, the, the other benefit locally uh, for us is like what well, just come up here this is this will be his third or fourth visit to Newcastle since he came up 
last year for the BRW breakfast event. And the reason that he keeps coming back is because he has acknowledged that there's some fantastic companies up here. Mm. And we've actually got some appointments for him when he's back in a, in a few weeks' time to go and talk to some of those companies again um, just to get more relationships happening. Maybe he'll be able to encourage those ones he's having a, a chat with to enter. I, I'm hoping so because, it, look, to get that international recognition, to bring that recognition yeah. locally to the hunter would be a remarkable thing for us as well, I believe. And as you say, we have some fantastic businesses and business ideas here solving, yeah, yeah, solving many problems. We do. And, and just a, a quick thing on why um, BRW or why they got into the list. Have I got time? Have I got another yeah, couple yeah, of seconds? About, yeah. Okay. All right. So what they did um, this year, for what the reason they came number three this year, is because they have they they do a lot of work with um, with medical um, medical advancements, and this one in particular is with embryos. So embryos um, are observed daily under a microscope. This is for IVF under an IVF situation, mm-hmm. and they're graded by embryologists as to to which ones may form the most viable embryo. The problem has been that when you open the incubator and you take the embryo out so that they can grade it, the chances of survival of that embryo become jeopardised. Yeah. Planet Innovation have come up with a new incubator and they've called it Jerry, um, and it gets rid of that, that problem mm-hmm. because it consists of several um, industry-first innovations, I guess. There's redundant heating, individual carbon dioxide sensors in each chamber, intuitive screens, etc., um, and low-level light. So now the, now the embryologist, that's a really hard word to say quickly, um, can assess the embryo's development without taking it out and without risking the, the survival. So it's a, a great step mm. forward for people who are having trouble conceiving. And a great solution of using innovation to a problem. Yeah. It is. Yep. Identify the problem. How do you get around it? There you go. Fantastic. Well, thanks very much for your time, Christina. We'll have a chat with you again next week. Look forward to it, Julian. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Christina Zikiad is there. Some ideas on innovation. Yes, love to see some hunter companies in the Business Review weekly list. Well, it's 22 minutes to two. It's time for just one of our Harvard Business Review tips today. And this one, I think, is a very important one in business. It says, make good writing a part of your skill set. Good writers distinguish themselves at work. We write all the time, proposals to clients, memos to leaders, emails to colleagues, but we often don't think about improving our writing. To communicate effectively and win business, learn to write simply, clearly and precisely. The mistake many people make in writing is is writing prematurely. They work out their thoughts as they're writing, which makes their arguments meandering and repetitive. Ask yourself... What should my audience know after reading this? Make your point up front and don't use three words when one would do. For example, there's no need to say general consensus of opinion when consensus works. Simply, uh, Similarly, avoid jargon. If you rely on $10 words too much, readers will think you're an, on autopilot or don't know what you're saying. Avoid terms like actionable, core competency and impactful and and don't be afraid to ask someone for feedback. And so it's very important when we're writing, particularly even websites and things like that, to uh, write it so the, the audience or the person listening or write, reading really does know what to do with it. Let's take it for a little book, How to Improve Your Business Writing by Caroline O'Hara. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at public liability insurance and 
realize it's maybe a, a little bit more complex than we think sometimes and always good to seek advice legal or from uh, insurance brokers and that business review weekly list let's get ourselves on it in a moment jane klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favorites next week we'll visit the tax world again with tony vidray We'll have a minute on innovation with Christine Sikiatis and we'll look at some more business and legal news and views that may affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week and as Steve Jobs once said, if you are working on something exciting that you really care about, you don't have to be pushed, the vision pulls you.